You'd think that as a video game podcaster and comedian, my life is all fun and games. And honestly, you'd be right. About 90% of the time, it's, it's pretty sweet. But every morning, I deal with something very, very serious. My face. You don't become an Edmonton 6 overnight. It takes work. And in my case, it takes good facial hair. And fortunately, I have a great facial hair tag team partner in Harry's. Hit up harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set and see what I'm talking about. Harry saw the tire fire that the shaving market had become and asked, how did it get like this? Crappy plastic razors, overpriced blades, all locked up like gold bars. And they said, no, we... We can fix this. And damn it, they did. Harry's ships premium quality razors right to your door. About once a month, I check my mail and there's that little box with everything I need to keep my kid presentable status. The blades stay sharp longer, which means an easier time getting my face in order in the morning. And the razors don't look like a dumb piece of plastic that a junior high schooler uses to take care of their peach fuzz. You have the facial hair of a man now. Shave like one. I actually leave my razor handle on the bathroom counter all the time just because it looks so damn classy. Harry's blades are German engineered and they're made to last. They're the best blades on the market for the best price and you don't even have to go out to get them. Set your delivery schedule and shave like a king. I know it sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. I've used Harry's forever. These blades are really freaking good. Highest reviews in the industry. A money back guarantee that you're not going to need and a subscription that you can cancel anytime you want. Getting ripped off isn't funny. Switch to Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash RTG. That's harrys.com slash RTG for a $3 trial set. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about dark games that we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blake. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And this week it is episode 235. And it's one of our world-renowned revisited episodes where we take another look at a game we covered back in the earliest infant days of this stupid show. And this time around, I'm going to talk about one of the most infamous and well-known games on the NES, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which we originally covered 217 episodes ago, back on Remember the Game number 18. And listen, I know everyone dunks on this game because it's hard and blah, blah, blah. And it is, I agree. Uh, But when we recorded the original episode four years ago, my experience with this game was the same as most people. I'd go in, I'd get stomped, I'd make it to the city level, and then I'd lose, and then I'd play it over again. Uh, But since then... I've gotten good. You know, I've put a lot of time into figuring this game out, coming up with strategies. I have a full walkthrough video posted up on YouTube for it. There's a link uh, to that in the description of this podcast if you're interested. And I guess this episode might be a little different than most Remember the Games because I'm going to semi-sound knowledgeable. I'm actually going to get into some tips and I'm going to just defend this game because unpopular opinion... I still think this is one of the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games ever made. Uh, I'm going solo this week. I did have a guest lined up, but our work schedules got in the way. And and honestly, I really, 
I want to dive deep into the meat on the bone this week and, and really get into what I think makes this game awesome, why I think it's clever, why I think it deserves a remake. I still have a couple of things I want to poo-poo on as well. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of my annoying voice this week. I guess that's the point. And we'll get to all that in just a minute because speaking of too much of my annoying voice, it's time for another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. If you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Consider this your warning. Our intros are kind of long, but they're fun and they're much easier to skip than that fucking city level is in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, But if you do want to skip it seriously, go about 30 minutes up the road and you'll hear the music and you'll be into Ninja Turtles talk. Uh, I have to get my plugs out of the way. This is how we keep the bills on. Uh, We have merchandise. We have hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, posters, all kinds of stuff rocking incredible art designed by my man Joe from 4545creative.com. You can find all of that at rememberthegamepodcast.com if you're interested. It's a great way to support the show. And of course, if you don't like clothes, I get it. You can always just support us over on Patreon because for only two bucks a month, you get two additional shows every single week. You get exclusive access to my gaming news show game patch every Friday, where I look at all the biggest news in modern video games, and I add my opinions and some profanity and stuff in there. And Expansion Pass drops every Thursday, and that's a different show every week. We do game rankings, we look back at characters, consoles, franchises, there's some comedy episodes, there's a ton of modern game reviews, and this past week on Expansion Pass, we finally talked about God of War Ragnarok and dropped a full-blown spoiler cast on you all. And listen, 99% of my modern game reviews on Expansion Pass are spoiler-free. I like to leave them clean so that if you're not sure if you want to pick it up, this will, you know, help you make a decision. But the thing with God of War Ragnarok is it's just so reliant on the story. It's so narrative-driven. I just, I don't know if there was a way to do a full hour-long podcast without spoiling some stuff. So I gave in and did a spoiler cast, and in a rare breaking of tradition, I'm not going to offer a sneak peek this week because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. So I'm not going to play a sneak peek of last week's episode of Expansion Pass, but it is now available in our archives if you're interested. And this week, for Expansion Pass 149, it's another modern game review, but we're going to get back to doing them spoiler-free. I'm going to let you know what I think about Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Reunion. I never played the original Crisis Core on PSP, but I've always wanted to see what this game is all about. So I finally played it on my PS5. I have a lot to say about it. And again, that review this week will be spoiler-free like most of them. So two bucks gets you two additional shows a week instant access to over 300 ad-free archived bonus podcasts plus our remember the game discord the chance to vote in our patreon poll every month the ability to submit comments for all of our shows you can dm with me and you get a shout out and get to hear me mispronounce your name like i'm about to do to most of these people a huge thank you to all of our newest patrons Brian Richmond, T Blood Fitty One, Andrew Sikor, Inside Wedge, McGriddle Lover. Oh, oh, I'll, oh, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you a story about that in a second. Uh, Baldomero Flores, Baldomero Flores. Sorry, Baldomero. McTuggy, The Love Sauce, Grumper Supreme, Dund, Devilish Saint, John Harrison, Haru of the Takagura Dojo, Bort. I can't believe it took that long to get a Bort in here. That's awesome. Slurping Turtle, Buddy Rod, Bobby Rogers, pardon me, Bobby Rogers. Creating Joy, simply putting the joy back into collecting. And then after that name, it's Hood Rat Skunk Hole Lover. Very contrasting names there. Kyle Husfield, Rikua, the game on Kickstarter. Rikua, the game on Kickstarter. Piss out my ass. Blake Langway, Smith, Darkstar Shady, Torby. 
Flenderson, not to be confused with Toby. Josh Rush, first time writing in. Kevin Xavier, Steve McCord, Raven, Scott Morris, and Katie Palzer. Palzer. Sorry if I fucked that up, Katie. And all of you, if I missed to pronounce your name, where does a badge of honor? Thank you all so much for the support. Welcome to Remember the Game Industries, patreon.com slash remember the game. Don't forget, 5% of our Patreon income gets donated to charity, and we offer annual subscriptions that'll save you a month's fees. And uh, so two quick things. One, if you go to the Remember the Game feed where you're listening to this on your favorite podcast service, I've actually uploaded expansion pass number 65, which was my game of the year for every year from 1985 to 2020. Uh, it's there now as like a free sample. Our, our archives backlog has gotten so big that I'm comfortable giving away the occasional episode as like a freebie now to let you see what what Expansion Pass is all about. So if you haven't heard that yet, just check it out. It's right there on the Remember the Game feed. You can download and give it a listen. And quickly, the reason I shuddered at the McGriddle thing was I got like the worst food poisoning of my life off of McGriddle once. I used to love those things. I was like, I threw up all over the emergency room at the hospital. I was in bed for days, just throwing up water. It was the worst experience of my life. So I can't eat McGriddles anymore. But Godspeed, McGriddle lover. Oh. Ah, oh, fucking awful things. Um, and you can find me on Twitch. That's my other plug. Twitch.tv slash member the game. I have no schedule. I just get on there whenever I have time. Follow me. It's free. And then it'll tell you when I'm online. And you can come by and tell me why I'm wrong to not like McGriddles and blah, blah, blah. All right. There you go. That's it. Up blowing myself. Let's blow some of you by blowing in some cartridges. It is our opening segment here on the show. I read a few comments and questions from our Patreons. Usually gaming related, but not always. And we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows all right. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. Let's blow our first blower this week is Woo Guy 8286 who wrote in and said, are you actually going to read comments today? And I deserve that. If you don't know, uh, when I recorded last week's episode of Game Patch for all of our patrons, uh, I accidentally deleted everybody's comments. And so when I started recording the show, I got to the first news story and then realized I had no listener comments and I have been mocked mercilessly for it ever since. Deservedly so. Uh, so well played, Woo Guy. You, I'll give you that one. Fair enough. I am going to read some comments like this one from the BOA who wrote in and said, Mr. Blank, I have a topical question for you in the form of a game with a very original, totally never before used name. Let's call it Play One, Erase One. If you had to choose between Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Simpsons for watching, playing, and reading, and you could never watch, play, or read the other one ever again in your life, which would you choose? I'm looking forward to The Simpsons podcast, by the way. Yes, if you didn't know, uh, at our $5 Patreon tier level, Mark McHugh and I are launching a bi-weekly Simpsons podcast next month. It begins on March 6th. Uh, it's called Purple Monkey Dishwasher, and uh, it's. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, that'll be available in March to all of our patrons at $5 and up. Uh, so which one? If I could only ever enjoy one... Oh, boy. So I can, like, watch, play, read, do everything with one of those franchises and never touch the other one again. Ninja Turtles and The Simpsons. That's tough. I think... I think I'd have to go with the Ninja Turtles. I'd, I'd watch because like as much as I love the Simpsons, if I never watched the original 11 seasons again, I know them so well that I could just watch them in my mind. So and then the video games are fine, but I'd rather play Ninja Turtles games and the Ninja Turtles comic books are way better. So I'll, I'll keep Ninja Turtles and reluctantly scrap the Simpsons. And I'm sorry, Simpsons. I just you're not the Ninja Turtles. If the, if the Simpsons had Donatello, maybe. 
Uh, Adam Blank still hasn't reviewed Banjo-Tooie, wrote in and said, Hello, Adam. Recently, uh, a few of my friends and I decided we wanted to plan a visit to Japan. We have a couple things in mind we know we want to do there, but we're still looking for more. Seeing as how you have visited Japan in the past, I wonder if you have any suggestions. What would you recommend visiting or doing beside drunk karaoke to Hatsune Miku songs or getting in a street race with Cookie Monster and a Minion since those are already on our list? Dude, it's so crappy that they, they made that cart that go-kart company. They can't use Mario car costumes anymore. That was one of the coolest experiences of my life. If you don't know, Shay and I went to Japan years ago, and you can rip around Tokyo. You could rip around Tokyo on Mario or go-karts dressed as Mario characters. And it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. Um, so we were only in Japan for about three days. I would recommend definitely hitting up like some ancient temples and shrines. Like I find Japanese history fascinating. And living in Canada, there's nothing here that's as old as like some of those old temples and shrines and stuff in Japan. It's fucking the coolest thing. So I definitely recommend checking those out. Uh, go to Super Potato because it's like the coolest old video game store you've ever seen. It's fucking insane. Go there. It's tell them I sent you. They won't know what you're talking about, but that would still be fucking sick. Uh, eat eat way too much. I ate so much sushi when I was there. It was fucking awesome. Find one of the sushi places where they just make it, and then you sit around like the the chef counter where they're working, and there's like a little conveyor belt, and they put pieces of sushi on on colored plates, and then you just pick off whatever plate or you pick up whatever you want to eat off the conveyor belt, eat it, stack your plates, and then at the end it adds up all the plates and gives you a a total, and that's fucking like the coolest thing in the world too. So def and it's like the best sushi you'll ever eat in your life. So definitely eat some sushi and. Mm. Oh, if if they're if they're running, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but go to a baseball game. We went to a ball game at the Tokyo Dome. Fucking coolest thing in the world. So those those would be my recommendations. Uh, Adam Blank still hasn't reviewed Banjo Tooie. I hope you enjoy it. I I can't wait to go back to Japan. I want to go back there so bad. I love that place. Uh, Justin Combustion wrote in and said, "Hey Adam, fellow Canadian here. Please, please, please." Tell me you remember the PC game Cross Country Canada, the geography-based Oregon Trail-inspired staple of every elementary school computer lab. I know you're not a PC enthusiast, but I can't help but feel you dabbled in this one. All the best there, buddy. Uh, as we say here in Canada, I did, you know what? I did play a little bit of cross country Canada, but I didn't like it. I like Oregon trail was fun because like it was fun watching them die all the time. And then I played like number muncher and I played dino park tycoon like crazy. And I played, uh, the incredible machine or whatever it was called, but I only played cross country Canada once or twice. I do know what you're talking about. Um, but I just never, yeah, I, I, uh, short answer long. I just never really I don't know why it just, maybe I just wasn't into geography, but I just never really played that. I wanted to play number munchers in Dino Park Tycoon. I never really touched, uh, cross country Canada. So sorry, Justin combustion, but all the best to you too, buddy. Uh, Mike Ferdinand wrote in and said, Hey Adam, I picked up slay the spire on my switch during the Christmas sales. Definitely lives up to all your praises. I feel like I've been through at least 30 to 40 runs and I finally made it past the third act with the silent only to be instantly killed before I realized what happened. Any tips you can provide. I feel like slay the spire strategies take up an entire expansion pass episode. Uh, thanks and keep up the great work. Pardon me. They can take up an entire expansion pass episode. Yeah. You did nothing wrong, Mike. I don't want to spoil anything, but you did nothing wrong. I promise. Um, you're right. Like I, and I almost didn't put this one in here because I know not everybody that listens to this is a Slay the Spire fan. So I'm not going to waste too much time. Uh, if you haven't played Slay the Spire, it's the unofficial official game of the show. I've probably sold 500 copies of that game to people over the years. Just talking about it. I cannot recommend it enough. One of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you know what my piece, my main piece of advice is, is don't get frustrated because you're going to lose way more than you're going to win. 
Uh, if you've never played it, it's a roguelike card combat game where you pick from one of four different characters. They all have different abilities and they all have different decks. And uh, you start out your, you basically have to work your way through three maps, uh, fighting enemies, random uh, events, going to um, like merchants to buy new uh, cards and buy new relics that it can impact your cards. And basically that's all you have to do is beat the three maps. And then when you die or win, then you go back to the beginning, you start out with a fresh deck and you build the deck from scratch again. And it's um, there is definitely an aspect of luck. You need the right cards and the right relics to line up with each other. You are going to lose more than you're going to win. So don't get frustrated by that. My number one piece of advice is, uh, protect your HP at all costs, unless you end up with like two or three cards that'll replenish your HP at the end of every battle. Like, because HP is obviously your lifeblood in there. Uh, anytime you have a chance to buy a fairy in a bottle, do it. And I I recommend, and Shaylee disagrees with me. She plays a lot of Slay the Spire too, and she has different strategies. But for myself, in the first act on that first map, uh, I go for every elite battle I can to try to stockpile relics. Because if I'm going to lose, I want to lose on the first, you know, when I'm only 20 minutes into the game, as opposed to when I've been playing for 45 minutes and I'm in the third act and then I lose. So I, I go, whatever route will take me through as many elites as I can in the first map. And if I lose, I lose. And if I make it all the way through, then I got half a dozen relics and hopefully one or two of them is good and lines up. So those are my early pieces of advice. You're right. I could talk Slay the Spire for fucking days, but I hope that helps. And if, again, if you're listening to this and you haven't tried it, I'm begging you. Look up Slay the Spire. It is brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Uh, Sabin, or Sabin? I think Sabin, wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, I was watching the exclusive swap episode of Expansion Pass, and it got to the section where we were picking what Nintendo exclusive we would give to PlayStation. And after some thought, I got to thinking, what if we gave Star Fox to Insomniac? They could definitely give him a good game, maybe even crossover with Ratchet and Clank. What do you think? Excuse me. Yeah, so if you don't know... We did an episode a couple of years ago where basically you could take one exclusive from each of the big three and give it to each of the other two. So a PlayStation exclusive to Xbox and one to Nintendo, an Xbox exclusive to Nintendo, PlayStation, and so on. Um, the idea of giving Star Fox to Insomnia, I mean, like, I mean, you know what? Like, the only problem with that, unless I'm getting my studios mixed up, but I don't think I am, isn't Insomniac all about Spider Man now? Like, I'm not, like, listen, I love the Ratchet and Clank games, and I think that they could probably, like, yeah, they could probably do an excellent fucking Star Fox. At this point, like, I'm not even that big a Star Fox fan. Yeah, they are Spider-Man now, but you're right. They they have a good track record. I'm sure they could do a good job with, with Star Fox. Like, I'm not even that big a Star Fox fan. Frankly, it's probably my least favorite Nintendo IP. But at this point, like, just give that franchise to somebody. Fucking do something with it. It's just sitting there. It's just, it's doing nothing. That poor Fox... I blame Slippy because Slippy is the fucking worst. And I bet you even Nintendo was like, I'm sick of this stupid frog. We can't kill him off because it's a kid's franchise. So let's just ignore them and leave them. You know, they can go guard the bee. Shout out to him that gets that reference. They can guard the bee. But actually, I don't I don't hate that idea. The idea of giving Star Fox to Insomniac makes a lot of sense, Saban. Good call. I don't remember what I said now as an answer to that. But that's not a bad idea, though. That's not... I honestly, like... Sometimes I wonder if we'll ever get a Star Fox game again. And here's the thing. As I record this, it's it's Tuesday, February 7th. There's a Nintendo Direct in 24 hours. I guarantee you I just willed the Star Fox game into existence. But So if I did fucking... You know what? I'll tell you right now. If it, if they announce a Star Fox game tomorrow, um, I, I should just never speak of anything again because clearly I do have some kind of mystic powers if I just willed that into existence. I don't even want that. Give me F-Zero or Punch-Out over Star Fox. But anyways, uh, thank you, Saban. And Mick Tuggy, 
said, Adam, what's your most anticipated game on your backlog? Which are you most excited to review? So I joke out all the time. My backlog is backlog from hell. It is it is hundreds of games long. And I'm sure lots of you have, have backlogs just as long as mine. It's just between games for the show, games I want to play for myself. It's, 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 I'll never catch up. I've stopped telling people that recommend me games like, oh yeah, I'll get to that. Cause I just will not, I can't get to everything. I've just come to that conclusion. Um, but as far as the games I'm most excited to play and review that are on my backlog right now, uh, Banjo-Tooie, I'm really excited about, uh, Metroid Prime, I'm really stoked for, and then Metal Gear Solid 3, which is officially on my backlog, I want y'all to know that. Admittedly, I'm not even that excited to play it, I just want it gone so people will stop asking me about Metal Gear Solid 3. I'm so nervous about that episode because I hate Metal Gear Solid 2 so much, more than I hate Avocado. And like, I just, I don't, I'm so scared I'm going to hate Metal Gear Solid 3 and that's going to be the death of the show. But I'm excited to play it and just get it done so that people stop asking me when I'm going to cover Metal Gear Solid 3. So that's coming at some point this year. As is Banjo-Tooie, as is Metroid Prime. All right, finally, before we move on, it's letter time. It's letter time. And Dund wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, since the game this week is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, how about a TMNT question? We know which turtle is your favorite, which is Donatello, by the way, but there are lots of different versions of each turtle, all the comics, the shows, the random movies. So which version of each turtle is your favorite? For myself, I've got nostalgia for the 87 cartoon Donnie and Leo. I like Rise of the TMNT's Wrath. I think the big hulking, big hulking snapping turtle is a cool take for him. And Batman versus TMNT's Michelangelo is awesome, with a shout out to the last Ronin as well uh, i will say the batman versus tmnt michelangelo steals the show that is one of the best turtles movies and michelangelo is fucking hilarious in that movie but i had to think about this so for my per my picks for donatello it's got to be 1990 movie uh the Corey feldman voice he's that's the reason i'm a donatello fan because i used to watch that movie so much as a kid and they made donnie seem so cool so definitely 1990 movie donatello uh for leonardo this is gonna be an odd choice i'm going with the 2007 animated the cgi or the computer animated tmnt movie some people dunk on that movie and i do think that it would have been better if it had been shredder as opposed to fighting those ancient statues but i really like the leo arc in that story and the leo versus raf fight is incredible and uh yeah i i really like leonardo from that movie for raf uh i gotta go with 1990 movie raf again maybe i'm biased toward the 1990 movie but like we all know like raf is Probably my least favorite turtle. And when I say that, he's still an A+. I love all four of them. It's just he's, he's just such a jerk. But in the 1990 movie, like, how awesome is Raph, right? Like, he makes that movie. And then for Mikey, uh, I'm torn. Between the Batman versus TMNT, Mikey is pretty good. 2003 computer animated Mikey is fucking hilarious because he's so annoying and he gets on Raph's nerves all the time. But I'm actually going to go with the IDW comics, Michelangelo. The new, like, the new comics that are out. Um, they really like expand his storyline and, uh, his character a bit and make him a lot more like, he's not just the clown, but he's kind of like the well-meaning sensitive member of the group and stuff. And I, I really enjoy what they've done with him in those comics. I'm not done those comics, so don't spoil anything for me, but from what, everything I've read of those comics, uh, I love the Michelangelo in there. So that I'll go with those four. And then just quickly, uh, for Casey, I'm going to go with 2003 computer animated cause he's awesome. Uh, for April, anybody that's not the Megan Fox April, cause guy, fuck, I hate Megan Fox so much. She's just the worst actress. She is the worst. Uh, and best shredder is 1990 
1987 animated Shredder just because it was voiced by Uncle Phil. And God, rest on, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. All right, we got to move on. Thank you so much for all the submissions, everybody. As always, let's get into our Smash Hit segment, the official game show of Remember the Game Industries. Play one, remake one, erase one. And a huge thank you to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with the theme music for the show. The rules are simple. Every week I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one as it was released, remake one as a modern game, and the third is a race from time forever. As always, there are no wrong answers, but there is a right one. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, and this week I went with three NES Saturday morning cartoon-ish games. Maybe not based on the cartoons, but you know what I'm saying. We have Ghostbusters, G.I. Joe, and X-Men for the NES. And 42% of our patrons said they would play X-Men, remake Ghostbusters, and erase G.I. Joe. Uh, that is not what I would do. Let me see what a few of you had to say here, and then I'll tell you what the right answer was. Mark Sneed said, play G.I. Joe because I enjoyed it as a kid. Remaking X-Men because we need a next-gen X-Men game that isn't Lego-based, even though those games are awesome. I'm erasing the NES Ghostbusters. I have it on the Master System, and it is a better version all around than the NES. I have never played the Master System version, but my understanding is that, yeah, it is better. I have no qualm with anybody erasing Ghostbusters on the NES. And that comes from someone that rented it so many times I could have bought it as a kid, and I have beat it. I have no qualms with anybody erasing that game. It, and a lot of you did. It is pretty, pretty shitty. Uh, Michael Wilson said, I love G.I. Joe as a kid, and I would rent this game all the time, so let's keep playing it. I'll remake Ghostbusters because Adam is right, and it should be easy to make a good Ghostbusters game, and they definitely didn't do it with this one. And lastly, let's follow the rules and erase X-Men. We have the arcade game already, and there are other Marvel games out there that are better, so why bother? Let's just bust some new flashy ghosts and defeat Cobra. I don't have anything to add. That's just... I don't necessarily agree with your order, but that is just sound logic all the way around, Michael. Uh, Matt D said, I'm going to erase G.I. Joe because I never understood why my friends liked those loser army dudes. Wow. Not a lot of people said they'd erase G.I. Joe. That's bold. I'm going to play X-Men because those mutants are awesome, and I'm going to remake Ghostbusters because we deserve a new state-of-the-art Ghostbusting good time, and there is no one more badass than those dudes. Who are you going to call? I, I mean... The Ghostbusters game from a few years ago is pretty good, but I would do wish we'd get another good Ghostbusters game. I agree. Uh, Jay Callahan said, I would play G.I. Joe because I've never played it, but I really like playing with the action figures and I love the show. I'll remake X-Men because I think those current, I think current gen graphics would be awesome in an X-Men game and I'm going to erase Ghostbusters. I love the movie franchise, but this game was just not very good. I, I, I can relate to every word in that sentence. I also love the movie franchise, and that game is not very good. And Abraham Wang knew said, as a kid, I spent hours and hours driving through the city streets and never actually figured out how to get into any building to bust some ghost ass. That's why that's why I would play Ghostbusters. Although I'm sure it isn't a masterpiece in gaming, I would like to vindicate the small portion of my life wasted by at least encountering a supernatural encountering a supernatural in this game. I would remake G.I. Joe because there aren't many games in that franchise, so why not? And I would erase X-Men because there are plenty of X-Men or similar titles in existence, and I don't think that deleting this particular title would impact the world in any way, shape, or form. And then that's the one thing about X-Men. Most people erase Ghostbusters, as I understand. But, like, there are some good X-Men games. Like, I I get that logic for sure. Um, I'm actually going with a vast minority of you. 
of you voted the way I would go this week, including Larry White, who said, play X-Men. It's my Bart versus the Space Mutants, and actually really fun once you figure out what you're supposed to do. Plus, X-Men Legends is basically a remake anyway. I'm going to remake G.I. Joe. This is by far the best of the group, but I think this would make an awesome Gears of War style game. And I'm going to erase Ghostbusters. I kind of like the chances it takes, but this one can be erased because the far superior Commodore 64 version would still exist. Yeah, I've heard that both the, both that and the Master System versions are better. How'd the NES get the worst one? When it's the NES, how did it get the worst port? I don't get it. Uh, as far as, yeah, I agree with your your order, uh, Larry. I would play X-Men because it does, I think it sucks, but I think Ghostbusters sucks way more. And we've already got like X-Men. I think if you want to play an X-Men game, play the X-Men Legends games. They're awesome. Uh, so I, I'll just leave X-Men on the NES as it is and play it. And I'm going to remake G.I. Joe because I'll be honest. Listen, I've never watched, played, read, done. I don't know anything about G.I. Joe. It just has never entered my brain at all. But we, like I said, we have X-Men Legends. We have a modern Ghostbusters games. And I know there's a lot of G.I. Joe fans out there. So we'll remake it so you can all have a good modern G.I. Joe game. And then we're going to race Ghostbusters because I have beaten that game. I've beaten it on the NES. And I can tell you, as someone that has scaled those stairs, it just isn't worth it. That game serves no purpose other than to be mocked. So I would erase it forever and never talk of it again. Thanks, everyone that wrote in and played, as always. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I've been playing over the last week, and then we're going to get into TMNT in just a minute because I'm going to pause for a quick word from one of our sponsors. If you're hearing this, you're probably a gamer. And for our kind, nothing is as precious and valuable as our save files. Have you ever experienced the loss of a save file? It's soul-crushing. Dozens, maybe hundreds of hours of work. Gone, like that. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. It matters, but kinda, you know? That exact scenario, but with a work project, an essay for school, data for your business, that's no joke. That could be really serious. You need a safety net. And I got you, fam, with my partners over at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. CrashPlan has been protecting people's data since 2001. And a couple years ago, they set out on their own with one mission, to provide the best best damn cloud backup solution on the market. CrashPlan runs quietly in the background of your computer or Mac and every 15 minutes on the clock they create a new backup of every file that's changed in that time. So if something goes wrong, God forbid, you don't lose hours, lose days, lose weeks of work. Just log into your account and you can download your most recent backup from the secure cloud servers. And there's not just one backup. There's a laundry list of them. You can pick and choose which one you want. It's like the ultimate undo button. If if you work on a computer in any capacity, CrashPlan is a must-have. And if you're thinking, ah, that's for big businesses, I'm just Joe Schmo. CrashPlan protects Joe Schmo. They offer a ton of plans and tiers. So there's a crash plan for everyone from small one-person businesses like me to you fancy businesses in offices with staff and free donuts and all that stuff. Time is money. Why wouldn't you protect your work? Spreadsheets, diagrams, videos, art, podcasts. CrashPlan has you covered. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com RTG for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. What have I been playing over the last week or so? Uh, I've been playing Legend of Dragoon as it won our Patreon poll a month ago. And I committed to playing it. And I'm for anyone that's like, I wonder how it's like in Legend of Dragoon. I'm about five, six hours in. I just started it this past week. Uh, it's I'm enjoying it. It's a little slow, as are most JRPGs, especially from that era. 
Um, but I, I, I like the, the, uh, active, the, the, like that quick time hit the button at the right time to get an extra attack in, uh, just that kind of keeps me involved and I, and I'm fine with the story so far. It looks nice. I'm enjoying it. It's been fun. I'm also still playing Marvel's midnight suns. I wanted to review that on expansion pass next week. That might get bumped into March. Cause I just don't know if I'm going to get it done or part of me, not next week, the week after, and it might get bumped into March. It's that game is fucking massive. I just don't know if I'm going to get it done in time, but I'm really enjoying it. And then I'm still playing the dead space remake as well. And, uh, it's fine. I don't think I'm going to review it cause it's just dead space, but uglier slash prettier kind of at the same time. It, like it's better looking, but that makes it uglier. Um, there's just not a lot else to say. It's been a lot of fun. I've been playing it on Twitch. You can find some videos over there if you're interested. And that's it. Let's talk TMNT. That's why you're here. And we had so many comments, more comments than we've had on a game in a long time. So many people grew up playing this game. I, I want to say TMNT was a top 10 selling NES game. I'm if it wasn't top 10, it was right on the cusp of the top 10. So I'm going to bomb through a bunch of your comments before I ramble about this game. Respect that escalator wrote in and said, I have the nostalgia for this game hard. The game's hard as fuck, but I still love it. I've been playing it for over 30 years and I finally beat the underwater stage after buying the Cowbunga collection. Yes, I use save states and rewinds and no, I don't care. Great to see this game getting some new life on the Switch. I will say, I, uh, so John C wrote in, um, I'm going to, okay. I'm all over the map here. I respect, or I, I agree with you, respect, that it's cool seeing the original TMNT get some new love because of the Cowbug collection. Agree, 100%. It's awesome. And no, there's no shame in using save states or rewinds on that game because it is tough as fuck. John C500, though, wrote in and said, maybe this is controversial, but the swimming level isn't as bad as it's made out to be. The jump animation really gets me going in this game. And I have to say, I actually agree with that. And I know not everybody... Uh, agrees and that's fine but like I even as a kid I could beat the swimming level it was the city afterwards where I would get lost and the jumping used to drive me it still irritates me sometimes but I've always found the jumping yeah to be a bigger problem than the swimming level myself that's me I, I for all you know you all know how much I hate swimming levels I don't think the swimming level in this game is that bad I think there's way worse I think it controls fine it's just hard but that's me. Uh, High Plains Drifter said, finally, one I can comment on that I feel as strong I feel strongly about as my 37-year-old hot dog ass has a lot of member berries for it. When I was a kid, I would hear this music all the time. I love the soundtrack to this game. It might be a hot topic, but I love the water level. I don't know why, but I do. This game is one of the few games that other people bitch about that I'll thoroughly enjoy. That water level isn't hard. People get good. I don't know if I'd say it isn't hard but you can get good and beat it. For me, this is a gold standard for Turtles games. So many memories with friends playing this game. Love, love, love. It gets me bricked up. Nine out of 10 stars. I do agree that it's one of the gold. St I think Shredder's Revenge has become the gold standard for TMNT games, but I think this is maybe number two. Hot take, I know. Uh, Adolfo said, I never got past the third stage in this game as a kid, but it didn't stop me from renting it every month. I never knew where to go, and that didn't stop me from playing it as much as I did. I once rescued one of my captured turtles somehow, and my brothers never believed me, the assholes. You know what? I remember finding that too. The first time I rescued a turtle, I could not fucking... I thought it was like an enemy when I first came across a turtle tied up standing there. And then when I rescued him, I was like, this is the fucking sickest you could do this? What? And I know, no one fucking believes you. It's bullshit. Blame the kid that made up stories about NES games all the time because now no one trusts us. Uh, Digital Dave said, great concept for a game, although once I lost Donnie and Leo, I felt properly fucked. I agree. Protect Donnie at all costs, kids. Protect Donnie. At all. And it's not just because I'm a fan. He is the best turtle in this game by a mile. And Sleeper Hit said, as a kid, I played four games on the NES on repeat. Darkwing Duck, Mega Man 2, Mario 3, and TMNT. With no cheats, no helps, no anything, I never rescue splinters. Now that I've played the Cowbunga Collection and used the map for directions on where to go, I can't believe how easy it is. 
to rescue Splinter. I don't understand why I got lost in that city so much as a kid. And let me say, Darkwing Duck, Mega Man 2, Mario 3, and TMNT, that's a fucking pretty solid childhood right there. Uh, I want to talk TMNT. Reading all these comments has me juiced up. I'm juiced up. You're probably juiced up. We're all juicing. Let's talk TMNT. I'm going to queue up some music. And when it stops, I'm going to take you back to June 25th, 1989 and talk about one of the most infamous games on the NES, my precious Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Let's go. Okay, now listen, all right? I understand that that music alone, maybe the box art from the image of this episode, maybe the just the mentioning of the electric seaweed level is enough to trigger some PTSD in a few of you. I understand, all right? I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody listening to this episode grew up playing this game because every time I do that, somebody comes at me with a, well, uh, technically I didn't play this game, but I will sit here and say definitively that almost everybody listening to this played this game growing up, particularly if you grew up during the 80s and 90s and the NES era, because back then, anything that was anything got uh, an NES game. And the Ninja Turtles were not only anything that was anything, they were anything that was everything. The Ninja Turtles were fucking everywhere. Like I said in the intro, I should have... Y'all know, right? You've listened to... Unless by some fluke, this is your first episode of Remember the Game. It is incredibly rare that I sit down and do a lot of research and do a lot of homework for these episodes. But I'm almost positive that this is a top 10 selling nes game like like turtles 2 was was great turtles 3 turtles 3 on the nes the manhattan project is a fucking hidden gem that is a great game that not enough people played but it feels like everyone played this game and i remember renting this game fucking over and over and over before i finally i remember where we got a copy it must have been for Christmas or something. My mom probably got sick of us begging her to take us to the store to rent this every weekend and finally was like, you know what? Fine, here. You can't beat it anyways, but this will shut you up, then so be it. And she's right. We couldn't beat it. I remember reading that instruction manual, fucking front to back, up and down, looking for the secrets to try to figure out what the fuck to do. And sure as shit, and I don't care what anybody says. We mentioned it during the intro. That seaweed is not, the seaweed sucks. And I hate when people like, I don't know if any of you ever experienced this. When you're like stuck at a video game in a level or a puzzle or something, and then you Google it, and then all you see are people like chastising whoever's asked for help and being like, that part's not even hard. I'm not going to sit here and say that the seaweed isn't hard because that seaweed will fuck you up. But that was never, I could beat that like no problem as a kid. That's not where I got stuck. It was always that fucking city level that I would get stuck. And it wasn't until the last couple of years probably during the pandemic when I had nothing else to fucking do that I really sat down and, you know, looked at some walkthroughs and, and did my homework and, uh, got good as the kids say these days. And I'll sit here and, and say it. Yeah. I've gotten good at this fucking game. I can beat this game and I can't beat it. Every time I play it, I would say I'm batting about 500, maybe a little less. Uh, I can get to the Technodrome every time. Uh, I can get to the final level, which I know is already further than some people have gotten. And I'm going to brag about that a little bit because it's like one of the only games. Listen, if by some fluke, this is your first episode of Remember the Game, I implore you, go back and listen to one of the previous 234 episodes because you'll probably find a dozen 
where I'll sit here and be like, hey, I'm good at this game because I'm not that good at video games. But this is one that I put my time in. I put in my reps. I got good. And uh, like I said, I'm rolling solo this week. Normally I have a guest and I did have a guest lined up for this one. And then we just got busy. And uh, for whatever reason, it just didn't quite work out. And so I decided, you know what? Instead of booking a last-minute replacement, I kind of want to go alone. Because I know a lot of people trash this game. A lot of people dunk on Ninja Turtles. And I have a lot to say about this game. And I will sit here right now on my soapbox and say that I think this is a top three all-time Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Uh, If you don't listen to our Patreon episodes, and I'm not trying to sneak another Patreon plug in, but uh, I did an episode not too long ago where I ranked all the games in the Cowbunga collection. Um, I did like a review and then I did a ranking of the games and I, I can't remember if I gave this one number one or number two, but it was in the top couple. And I'll sit here and say that I think Shredder's Revenge, the one that came out last year is probably the best Turtles game ever, but I think this is a very close second. This is a really good video game. Is it hard? Fuck yeah. Is it kind of cryptic? Yes. Are there not enough normal enemies like the foot soldiers and the, you know, there's foot soldiers and mousers, but then there's also flaming man and fucking shredder whose head turns into a fly and stupid giant frog and hot air balloon with a missile attached to the bottom and flying blue bug moth butterfly suicide diving thing yes there's a lot of stupid enemies in this game could they have done better could they have put in enemies like the rat king and stuff like that absolutely but i don't give a fuck what you say this is a good video game and we talk about this every time we talk about an old nes game on this show uh to me like there there are just straight up bad nes games there are straight up good NES games. And then there are what I consider to be ambitious NES games. And I feel like we talked about that last week with Dick Tracy, where maybe the execution was a little bit flawed, but they really did try to do something outside of the box. Instead of just doing the standard run from left to right, punch and shoot your way through everything, they tried to, you know, put the puzzle solving in and put in some clues and stuff like that. And in this game, that's what I like about this game. I've played most of the Ninja Turtles games. I haven't played all the ones from the O3 series and stuff like that, but everything, everything, because I don't think there wasn't a 64 one. I don't think there was a PS1 one either. I don't think there was. So I'll just say everything from the Super Nintendo Genesis era back, I've played them with the exception of the tournament fighter games that I've only played for like a minute because I suck at fighting games. And, uh, as much as I got mad love for the arcade game or for the Manhattan Project or for Turtles in Time, of course, a lot of them are just beat-em-ups. And let's call a spade a spade. They're, if, it, if they weren't the Ninja Turtles, if they were just Frank and Sean fight garbage men beat-em-ups, uh, patent pending, uh, <laughs> those games wouldn't be that good because they're not that good. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. The Streets of Rage beat em up are better beat-em-ups than the Ninja Turtles games are. I would argue that River City Valley, uh, not River City Valley, River City Ransom is a better, what the fuck is River City Valley? Anyway, River, we have the River Valley here in our city. Uh, anyways, uh, River City Ransom, I would argue is maybe a better beat-em-up than the Ninja Turtles ones. But we all play them because they're the Ninja Turtles. And there's nothing wrong with that. I like playing the Ninja Turtles games as much as everybody else. But that's the thing about this one. And I am going to get into some of the levels and some of the strategies and some of that kind of stuff. But that's at the core of it. That's what I like about this game is it's not just a, a mindless, you know, hang out with your friends, tap the attack button for an hour, 
pump a few quarters in and save the world. Like this, there's strategy in this game. They tried to put in a few different kinds of levels. There's some very minor, very cryptic, arguably not very good puzzle solving when it comes to figuring out where to go on the city map. Each turtle plays a little bit differently. You have to swap in and out each of the four turtles and manage each of their health bars independently and manage what side items they've all picked up independently and stuff like that. When a turtle gets caught, you can go rescue them and bring them back to the team. I... I really like what they tried to, I would love to see this game get remade. I, I have been, I have been, I'm telling you, if I had one wish, if I could wish one video game into existence, it would be an Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham City, because I'd want to, you know, explore New York, an Arkham City Spider-Man style Ninja Turtles game where you play as the four and they each have their own skills and their own abilities and you can level them up and upgrade their skill trees and all that kind of stuff. That's that's what I want. And I feel like they could remake this game into that if they wanted to, because it's just when you're a kid and you're playing it and you're just running through level one and then run it like everybody's beating level one, right? You're on the top of the city. You realize you can skip that first sewer. You make sure you walk around the very slow moving foot soldier steamroller that fucking kills you in three seconds, which is whatever. Um, you go down that first pipe, you fight your way through and then you come up and then you ignore the second sewer drain. You go through the other one, you come up by that warehouse and then you go through the warehouse and oh yeah, I'm during the first pipe, you fight Bebop and then the second fight, you fight Rocksteady and everyone's done the thing where they kneel on the boxes with Donatello and just jab down with the bow while Rocksteady being the dumbass that he is just sits down there ramming his horn into the box and getting hit in the head till he passes out and we've all, everyone's beaten that level, right? I think. I would assume that most people that have played this game have beaten that level. And when you're a kid, there's really no strategy to that level. Just run through, try not to let anybody get killed, mash attack. It's kind of a it's kind of a beat 'em up. And then you get to the second level where you have to work your way through that fucking warehouse, which does have that one dude, there's that one fucking jump right near the end of the first segment where it's not the gap you have to walk across. That's in the city level. It's just the one where you have to jump across like the two gaps, but the ceiling is right there. And so you have to kind of just tap A. And like we said it in the infamous intro, I find the jumping in this game more difficult than that seaweed level. Some of those jumps are a motherfucker to stick. But you get through there and you fight your way up to the top and then we've all gotten to that roof and then you walk across and then you drop down into the water and now you're dealing with the electric seaweed. And I know for most kids, that electric seaweed is where you're running it. And if by you happen to get past that electric seaweed, which again, I could do as a kid. I'm gonna stand, I'll stand firm on that. I could beat that as a kid. Then you get to the city and that's where the game really opens up. That's where you have a map for the first time and it's super easy to get lost and there's buildings you don't have to go into. And that's when you're, that's when you're looking for Splinter. And that's to me, as a kid that was always where I got stuck and I still had fun because it was the Ninja Turtles and I would have dude I'm telling you right now if Mario was missing had been a Ninja Turtles game I wouldn't have hated it as much like I just I just anything Ninja Turtles was fucking S tier to me when I was little but I could get to that city level without even breaking a sweat or thinking about it and then the city level is where everything would go wrong and and to me, it's funny because as a kid, I would always get frustrated by the city level, quit, come back in a couple of days, get to the city level, get frustrated, quit. But now as an adult, I think that's where the game gets good. I think everything up until the city level, I think that first level with the sewers where you fight Bebop and Rocksteady, and then the second level where you fight through the warehouse and then drop down and do the electric seaweed. To me, that's all just like warm up. 
for when the game really starts to open up in the city level. And I, I do think that they, they kind of made a mess of that city level as an adult. It doesn't seem that bad, but as a kid, you're like, I have no idea what the, and, and then, and sorry, I know I'm all over. This is the problem with doing these solo is I don't have a guest to kind of kick ideas around. I just get going all over. This is what I'm like on stage when I'm doing comedy too. I, I get telling like four jokes at once and then somehow manage to bring them all back at the end or don't and bomb. And everybody yells at me. But as a kid, the city level was where the game started to frustrate me. But now, as an adult with a l very, very slightly higher IQ than I had when I was a kid, I'm like, this is where the like this is what makes this game special. Those first couple levels, I, I hate them. They're boring. Level three, the city is where everything gets good because now it's like, dude, go explore. Look for items. There's all kinds of items you can go find in these buildings. You're looking for splinter. You need to navigate this over city. You need to manage your resources with the missiles and you got to find the ropes and you got to fucking, there's like, you can go get a turtle back. If you, if one gets caught, you can go find them. It is the biggest, most open part of the game. And I think it's fucking, well, arguably, because you know, I guess you could argue the airfield is pretty open too, but that's where I think the game gets really good. Um, and that's, then that's where to me, this game really starts to get ambitious. They, cause the thing about it is like, think about it. If they wanted to, they could have made that city level the same as they did the first two levels where it's basically just a couple of entrances in the warehouse and that's it. But instead they were like, you know what? Let's open it up. Let's let them explore. Let's let them, they're probably going to die a few times and let's see if they can figure out where Splinter is in this city. Cause they got to have to go and, and, and save them. And, uh, and that's what I respect about it is they tried to do something different. And even when an NES game sucks, listen, Ghostbusters, one of the worst games on the NES. And that comes from a diehard Ghostbusters fan that could beat that game. That game is fucking terrible. I do respect the fact that they tried to do something different. They were like, drive around the city, build up your PKE, uh, get money to upgrade your equipment. And then, you know, like there's a lot of mistakes, but I get that they didn't just go, hey, you go from left to right, mashing attack until the game is over. Uh, and I love that. So then you get through the, and I, and I promise like, I'm going to get in each of the turtles. I'm going to get into some strategy, stuff like that. Um, but that's where it really starts to get special to me. And like, and that's where not only does the game start to get special to me, but that's where you have a little bit more freedom in what you want to do. Uh, how do I want to do this? Because, okay. I, I don't think there's much else to say about those first couple levels. I think we've basically, everybody knows those first couple levels. I will. Okay. So just quickly, if you're wondering what my strategy is for those first couple levels, uh, I like to use, you know what? Okay. How about this? Let's, because this will make it easier to talk strategy again. I'm sorry if this is a really flustered all over the map episode, but I love this fucking game. Uh, let's quickly go over the four turtles and then I'll get into the levels and I'll start talking about strategies and stuff like that. So it's easy to look at the four turtles and say they all play the same and blah, blah. But anyone that's played this for any length of time knows that they don't play the same uh donatello i'm biased because he's my favorite turtle but i can't imagine there's anyone that's played this game that will disagree with me donatello is the mvp donatello is a tank his bow does a ton of damage it's got the most reach it is slow as fuck but that doesn't even matter it's i find this game there's very few instances where you need to uh, have great reflexes to kill the enemies. Like they're usually kind of slow moving or you see them coming from a distance and you know what's going to happen. Uh, Donatello is your MVP. When you push forward, his bow jabs backwards to hit anyone coming behind you. When you push down, it jabs up to hit anyone that's above you. Uh, he's a beast and you need to protect him at all costs. He is the MVP of the game. Uh, my number two is Leo. Leo's the guy I probably use the most. Actually, I use Donatello, um, when shit's getting hairy or when I'm fighting bosses or stuff like that. But otherwise I really like Leonardo. His swords are fast. They've got the second best reach in the game after Donatello's bow. Uh, 
I just find him incredibly... Basically, they're the two I use for 90% of the game as I use Donatello and Leonardo. Uh, Leo just deals with the enemy-by-enemy enemy situations, and then Donatello fucks up any of the heavier hitters and the bosses and stuff like that. Everyone dunks on Raphael in this game because his size suck. And let's, let's like, he doesn't even jab them. He kind of just spins them and it makes that fucking stupid noise. And like a lot of people think that Raph sucks in this game. Uh, and I'll be honest in the first couple of levels, I think he does, but I use him for the seaweed level. Um, and then if I need to swap out, I'll swap to Michelangelo. And I'll tell you right now, if you've ever gotten this far, get to world four, get to the air base level where you're going in and out of the sewer drains and trying to make your way through the air. I don't know where it is, like a military base or something. Uh, Raph is a fucking hoss in there because he does a lot of damage with those little size. And there's those stupid dragonfly things that come across the screen at you in that fourth level. And Raph is cash money. Leonardo can't take them out in one hit. And I, Michelangelo kind of can. I think Mikey's got this thing where the less health he has, the more damage he does. Um, but I'll get into Mikey in a minute because I, I personally use him the least of anybody in this game. Raphael is so useful in that fucking airbase level because you can, those stupid, those are some of the rare uh, reaction-based enemies sometimes of those fucking giant dragonfly things that come in. And with Raph, like, it's impossible to miss them because his sigh is just boom right in front of him. Uh, the only way you're going to miss is if you hit it too early or too late and they get past it, but like you won't miss them as far as them like getting out of range and he'll take them out in one hit. So Raph is really fucking useful in, uh, in that fourth level. And then Michelangelo, like I said, I do, I love Mikey. He's my second favorite turtle in real life, but I do think he's a little bit useless in this game. He's my scrolls guy. I basically only use him as a backup to Raph in the seaweed level if I need it. And then in the third level, I give him the scrolls. And I hold on. And I want to get into those scrolls more too, because some people, um, their way to beat the game is to just uh, load up on scrolls and then scroll their way through, and that works. But I'm telling you, you can my my walkthrough video, you can do it without having to load up on the scrolls. But I do let Mikey grab some because they are by far the most powerful secondary weapon in the game. And then I use them. To, I use a bunch of them to fight um, Metalhead. I, th I think it's Metalhead. Whatever that me metal mecha turtle is at the end of the city, I think it's Metalhead. And then I use the rest of his uh, scrolls to work on the Technodrome and take some of that down when you get to that boss fight. But Mikey, I basically don't use him other than in the swimming level when I need it. And then I give him the scrolls. And then once he has his scrolls, he just sits on the bench until I need him to come out to use his scrolls. Because the problem is, there's too many times where you'll kill an enemy and they'll drop a random item, like a random weapon. And if you're using Michelangelo, you accidentally pick up throwing stars or boomerangs or something. And now your scrolls are gone. And I don't want to have to hike back to get more. And fighting that metal metalhead without those fucking scrolls is just a nightmare. So Mikey just is my scroll guy. So basically, that's the four roles. And again, do you see what I mean? Like, listen, again, go back to those beat-em-ups. As great as they are, there's no strategy to them like there is this. You just pick your favorite turtle and mash attack and work your way through. And this one, it's like, fuck, Leonardo's getting low on health, and I don't want to risk anybody getting caught, so I'm going to put Leo on the bench and use Donatello and just try to keep enemies at, at a distance with the bow until I get to some pizza. Or Raph is going to go into the water and take a pounding from that electric seaweed. Uh, and now when I get to the first level in the city where there's that pizza uh, I gotta make sure I fight through with one of the other turtles and then swap to Raph when I get to the pizza so that I can fill him up like it's managing their secondary weapons Michelangelo's got the scrolls I can't use them until I want to risk losing those scrolls type that I fucking ah there's so much depth and strategy to this fucking game I love it so and then basically that's your first couple levels it's pretty again it's all pretty simple until you get to that seaweed and you beat the seaweed and then you get to the city and the city is where shit really starts to, to open up. And I want to work my way through the city level, the airbase, and the technodrome. 
because uh, I do have a couple of gripes with this game and I'm going to get into all those. And I am going to talk about those other levels and the strategies I implement based on what I just said about those turtles. In just a minute, I'm going to stop here because I really need to drink a water and I want to hear what one of my sponsors has to say. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Podcasting is a weird job because I talk to you nerds all the time. Every day, I tell you all about my life, the good and the bad. The ugly... I kind of keep that offline. And it's not that I don't want to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it. I just need to pick and choose who I talk to. We all have stuff that just lives in our minds, rent-free, 24-7. Talking about them can really help because the longer you keep something bottled up, the more likely it is to blow. You've heard me say it before and you're going to keep hearing me say it. Therapy is the way. Therapists can be that ear to bend when you really need to get something off your chest and don't know who to talk to. And better help is a great way to go about it. I don't BS you guys. I don't say I've used something if I've never used it. I've personally talked to a BetterHelp therapist about the stuff going on in my personal life, and I genuinely found it helpful. To have someone to talk to that doesn't have any skin in the game, that can just listen and try to help me come up with a roadmap to get through the tough times... It's just invaluable. It has seriously really helped me. I've talked to my therapist through video and you can do it that way or you can do it over the phone or even just over chat and they give you as many schedule options as possible so you can work a session in around your life. It's licensed therapy as convenient as it gets. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash remember the game today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash remember the game. So if by chance you've never beaten the water level, you just, you unhook the eight bombs. Uh, once you're done that water level, then you go back to your base or the little air part of me. And then you find out Splinter's gone and Shredder fucking somehow is on your television. Um, and he just says, you know, you have to defeat us if you want Splinter back and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then you go to the city level and the city level can overwhelm people. And as a kid, I had no idea how to use the map. No idea where the fuck I was going. As an adult, once I actually started looking at the game and, you know, reading a couple of walkthroughs, I was like, oh my God, this really isn't that complicated. You go into that first building because you got to get rockets. And everyone's been in the, anyone that's gotten to the city level has gone into that first building with the rockets. And you go in and you fight your way. And it's kind of a, it's almost like a four tiered level. You fight your way across the bottom, you go up, fight your way back to the beginning, go up a ladder, fight your way back across the level, climb up, fight your way back across again, get the rockets. That's where that gap is that you can't jump across. You have to just walk across. You get the rockets and you fight your way back out of the building and back out to the main street. There is a slice of pizza and a full pizza in there. And they come back every time when you go in and out of the level. So if anyone took a real, like usually what I'll, if I'm having a good run, I'll get through the water level using only Raph. And Raph might be on life support at that point, but he got through the water level. And if that that's your best case scenario, is then you get into that first level of the city world. Uh, Leo, Donnie, and Mikey are all in decent shape. Raph is beat to shit. Fight your way through, get the slice of pizza at the end of the first half, and give it to whichever of those three needs it the most. Go up to the second half, get the full pizza, give it to Raph to fill him back up, and then get out of there and minimize the damage. And if you take a pounding in there, or more one of your turtles took a beating, in the water level, then go back to that level and just, you know, work your way through a couple of times and grab some pizza. You can go through and get more rockets as well. Uh, but if you take the right route, you won't need any more. You actually have two or three rockets to spare just based off that first batch you get. So you go get the rockets and then you go down to the next building. And then there's like a, a building with two entries in it. And, uh, in there is the, uh, the rope and the scrolls. And that's always where I go and again, Michelangelo gets finally gets a, gets a time to shine because that's where I'll grab the scrolls for Mikey and then I'll put them away and not use them so that I don't risk losing the scrolls. 
Um, there is some pizza around if you want to get it. There's some ropes if you want to grab it. And then you fucking, that's, you basically, that's it. You work your way through there. And that's what I mean. Like there's buildings that you can go into and look for supplies where there's not even any reason to go into them. And some would argue, myself included at times, that that's a little bit obnoxious and it makes the game a little bit too confusing and too hard. Especially keeping in mind that in 1989, this game was geared toward children. But now when you go back and play it, it's like, I appreciate that they tried to open it up and put a little bit of extra stuff in there. And you might have to play it a few times to figure out what buildings you do and don't have to go into. Uh, but once you know the route, those are the only places you've got to stop so far. And then you work your way around the city with your rockets. And if you've lost a turtle at this point, there is a building where you can go in and get your turtle. And all you have to do is bring up the map and it'll show all the, all the red blocks on the map are showing you the roads you can drive on. And then the white blocks are showing you buildings and sewers that you can go into. And it doesn't tell you what building the kidnapped turtle is in, but it is the, I believe it's the first time in the game that you can get a turtle back. And uh, it's pretty like, I remember the first time I found that I lost my, I was so excited that that carried me for about two months. Like I was just stopping strangers at the mall and you know, little Adam being like, did you know you can rescue a turtle in this building in level three? And they're like, what? And occasionally somebody would be like, yes, I did find that as well. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so fight your way through to the, to the end of the city. And then you, uh, you fight through like one last building and then you get up on the on the roof, and then that's where you have to fight Metalhead. That's where I break out Michelangelo and his scrolls. Because if you're good with your scrolls, uh, you can beat that turtle. You can beat that boss with about nine, I think. It usually takes me eight or nine scrolls uh, to beat him. Don't lose Michelangelo there. Then you rescue Splinter, and then the, you call the blimp, and then you take the blimp to the... Or no, do you take the blimp to the airbase at that point? I don't think you do. I can't remember. No, I think then you just go to the airbase... Yeah, then I think you just go to the airbase. Yeah, because that's where the... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so then that was as far as I'd ever gotten until a couple of years ago was that that city level. I'd never gotten past it. Once you get past that, then you get into this level. It's kind of like the city, but you don't have a giant uh, overarching map. Basically, you just, you're on like a military base or something. And you go into like a sewer. And, and this game, this level is almost like a mix of the, the very first level of the game and the city level because all you're really doing is going into sewers and fighting your way through them like left to right and attacking enemies and up and down and stuff like that but it's almost it's kind of like the city in ways because when you come out of the sewer a lot of the times you have multiple sewer drains that you can go into to continue the level and i don't know if there are multiple paths through this level or not i have the one that i use the one that i know works for me i don't know if you can take alternate paths through or not so if you can Fuck yeah, I don't know that. Um, all I really do in this level is, again, Michelangelo unfortunately just sits on the bench because he's probably still got nine or ten scrolls left, the throwable scroll things, um, after fighting Metalhead, and I want to save those for the boss fight against the Technodrome. So I won't use Michelangelo at all. I'll just, it sucks, but I'll just leave him on the bench because I don't want to risk accidentally picking up the wrong item with him. Uh, this is primarily Donatello and Leonardo territory. I do swap to Wrath sometimes because like I said, his Psy is great for taking out those quick moving fucking dragonfly uh, things. And you basically just have to fight your way through eight or nine different sewers. And once you know the order, then it's a piece of cake. It's just a matter of learning the order. And it can be a little bit frustrating. You're probably going to die a few times, but that's fine. Learn the order, fight your way through all these sewers. And then comes for my money, the second, third, a top three. So there's three moments in this game 
that I find hard. And there are three moments in this game that will fuck a run up for me. And the first one, I can get to that airbase on autopilot. Like there's no way I'm not getting there. This is the first time something can go wrong for me. One of the last levels that you deal with in this airbase is like a sewer. And uh, they're all sewers, but you, you basically have to go down like three screens and you, you, you like, you drop through a hole and then you end up in like a stationary screen where nothing's moving. Uh, and you just work your way across a couple of platforms. They drop down through gaps and you fall down a hole into the next screen. And on the next screen, there's two spike walls closing in on you from either side. And you've got to hustle through these holes down to the third screen where again, the spikes are coming in and you got to hustle through these holes and drop down into the, like the basement layer where the boss is of this, this world. And what makes this hard. And this is one of my complaints about this game is it just, in my opinion, it's not that it controls bad. I think the jumping is great. Like anyone that's played it, it's got the contra jumps. Like when you jump, your turtle goes into like a little circle, like they're doing a flip and you can fucking, they float in the air forever and you can steer them left, right. And, do whatever the fuck you want with them. Uh, I find the attacks fairly responsive in this game. I find using your second items very easy. What frustrates me about the controls in this game are they're, they're, they're very floaty sometimes. Particularly this moment where you need to drop into these holes. Because the holes you have to drop into are one brick width, uh, or like one column, I guess, width, like across. And so think to that city level where you walk across that gap to grab the rockets. That's the size of the hole that you need to get your turtle to fall into. But the problem is if you let go of walking forward, like toward the hole too early, you stop instead of walking into the hole. And if you hold it too long, then you step across that hole. And when those spikes are closing in on you, you don't have a ton of time to backtrack and turn around and get into that hole. Like you really need to stick the landing and let go of moving forward at just the right moment to fall into that gap to get down. And if you don't do it and those spike walls touch you, it's an instant death and you lose whatever turtle you're using. So I will say in case you're one in strategy wise, I always, I, I feel bad for the guy, but I always swap to Raph again when I'm going. The only exception is if Leo is practically dead. Occasionally I'll use Leo in there. Um, but normally I use Raph in there as well. And the reason for that is if somebody's going to hit those spike walls and get caught, I want it to be Raph. Uh, because I'm not going to need him again right away. And again, like I won't really need Leo. I'd like to have him. But the problem, the thing is, is once you go through those spikes, all that's left is the boss fight, which is a giant mouser. And as long as you have Donatello, that mouser is the easiest boss fight in the game. So I usually use Wrath. Hopefully, and that's where a couple of my runs have gotten ruined because I'll lose Raph in there and then I'll try it again and lose Leo. And I'm like, well, now I'm now, and then I usually just get pissed off and quit. But as you practice it, you get better at that. If you're playing it on something with save states, that's a great place to create a save state and practice and just get the timing down of falling through those fucking gaps. Because I know it sounds easy, it is a lot harder, a lot harder than it fucking sounds. Uh, but once you've fallen through those three holes, you've gone through all the sewer levels, then you solve the maze, you're done. Then you just fight the giant mouser to swap the Donatello. And then as long as you stand right underneath the mouser's head, nothing can hurt you. All it does is it opens its mouth and you can hit it in its uh, ball. There's like a shiny ball in its throat, I guess. And occasionally it'll drop mousers on you, but you'll just kill them while you're swinging up at it with Donatello as well. You kill him and then that's when you get into the blimp. And then you go to like the foot compound and uh, this is the second place the game can go wrong for me. And this is where it goes wrong for me more than those three spikes. So then you're into the, the next level, which is like a, a nighttime level. And you're in like an enemy base. And uh, there's like helicopters like flying overhead with spotlights. And I actually don't know what happens if they see you because I don't think I've ever been caught by one. There's two or three buildings you can go into. 
the only reason to go into those buildings is the very first one. There's a pizza that's pretty close to the beginning that you can use to refill. And if a turtle did get caught in those spikes, like I sacrificed Raph there, that very first building, you go into the basement and Raph will be there or Leo or whoever it is you sacrifice on the spikes. Uh, and you'll get them back at full energy and you can keep going. There's also scrolls in another building up in the top corner. But as long as you've been protecting Michelangelo and holding on to him, he should be fine. He's got scrolls. You're golden. This is where the game gets really hard for me though. This is where the game's difficulty really ratchets up because there's, I think three maybe four. I think there's three different sewers that you can go into. And, and the technodrome is in one of these three sewers, but it's random on which one it is. And it never fails. I always seem to fucking not find it until I go into the third one. And it's so goddamn infuriating because these levels are tough. You have to go down through three or four layers uh, of enemies and the enemies are some of the toughest enemies in the game. They take so much health, frankly, outside of like the flying jellyfish enemies that are killed in one hit. I don't even fight most of the enemies in here. I just try to sneak by them as best I can. And, and, and you fight through your way through three or four like, um, stages. You'll reach the bottom stage and there's a door you'll go in. If you got the right entrance or the right sewer drain, then the technodrome will be there. If you got the wrong one, it's just an empty room. Then you have to fight your way back up through all those fucking enemies back above ground and then take your way over to another sewer. So at least that's where that building with the pizza in it near the beginning comes in handy. Cause if you get the wrong sewer, you're going to need to go back and fill up your health <laughs> probably a couple of times before you go down to the next sewer. So you pick a sewer drain and you keep going into them until you find the one that has the technodrome and then you fight the technodrome. Now it's this, obviously the technodrome is this giant thing and it's rolling towards you and there's like a whole bunch of places that you can hit it. The only place that'll hurt it is if you attack the eyeball on top, but it's got like a giant pitchfork out of the front that shoots out electricity. It's got a couple of little laser guns on it that'll shoot like beads of energy at you. There's like a hatch at the top that foot soldiers will jump out of and then you got to fight the foot soldiers. So this is what you've been saving Michelangelo and those scrolls for. And this is how I play it is I'll swap to Mikey here and I'll unload with the scrolls and take out that electric fork, take out the little guns that shoot at you, take out the foot soldier hatch. Once those are taken out, nothing can hurt you unless you fuck up and accidentally touch it in the wrong place, like touch the eyeball or get run over. So once you've taken those out, you can swap to Donnie, jump up on the, the, the treads there, the wheels, and then just attack that eyeball until it dies. Uh, it cracks open, you jump into the Technodrome, and now you're into the final level. So that's the second place where things can go wrong. The first one is on those spikes, and then the second one is trying to find that fucking Technodrome. Then you get into the Technodrome itself, and this is where, like, this, I don't even, this, it, this is fucking hard this gets fucking hard and the truth be told like there's not a ton of strategy in here in my opinion uh don't lose a turtle do everything in your power if you've got to swap between turtles to keep one from getting caught fucking do it because if a turtle gets caught you have to go all the way back to the like it doesn't and this this is such horseshit if the first thing that's horseshit is the floaty controls when you try to drop down through the hole the the or the, the, the shitty controls where you're trying to fall through those little gaps the th the second thing that's fucking horse shit is that if you die, if one of your turtles gets caught inside the technodrome, it's all the way back. It doesn't even matter that the other three turtles were further into the technodrome. All the turtles you have left alive go all the way back to the very fucking beginning of the goddamn level. And you got to fight your way through every level of the technodrome again at the reduced health that you're at, whatever shape your turtles are in. When you got caught, the other three have to go back through that way. And you can rescue a turtle in the first couple uh, state levels of the Technodrome. But I'll be honest, if I lose a turtle, and I have never recovered. 
If I lose a turtle in the Technodrome and I have to go back to the beginning, I've never recovered. It's over for me. So this is where preserving your health into the Technodrome fight is is critical because once you're in the Technodrome, you can't go back out to the base and go load up on pizzas and scrolls again. So um, try to keep as many of your turtles in as good a shape as humanly possible when you get into... If, if, if there is one to let their health get a little bit down, it's Mikey because, again, for some reason, he does more damage when his health is depleted, as far as I can tell. Uh, there's these, like, white ghost-looking flying foot soldiers that shoot laser beams at you. They take so much. I think they take about a third of your health when they touch you or shoot you and they take so much damage to kill your best bet is let them fly towards you duck let them go over your head fucking run like hell don't even waste your time there's those fucking there's these kangaroo things in the technodrome that again they take like 30 hits to kill and they take like half of your fucking health when they touch you and they're so random and there's so much rng in the technodrome hoping you get the right enemies that jump at the right time and you can sneak by it just you're just gonna have to practice it there's no it's pretty hard to get lost there's not a ton of alternate routes in this in this level it seems like there is but there really isn't um it's just going to take practice and you've only got a finite amount of pizza. There's only a couple places where you can get a pie in here. So that's another kicker is you've got to just be smart about your pizzas and make sure you're filling up the, the right characters. And here's the thing when you, as you're fighting your way through the technodrome, if you get to the last portion, it's just this really long fucking hallway full of those white flying goddamn foot soldiers. And how I play it in there is you can pick up some more scrolls while you're going through the technodrome uh in my opinion they don't have to go to michelangelo but give them to whoever's got the most health that isn't donatello that's how i do it and then hope that you don't accidentally pick up the wrong fucking item because you're gonna need them in that final hallway once you're once you get in that final hallway all i do is i crawl through and every time one of those white flying soldiers comes at me i whip a scroll at them and hits them they back off or you can just if you just go really slow sometimes they'll come in they'll stop and they'll back off and basically, it's just slow and steady wins the race. Crawl your way through that hallway. Once you reach the end of that hallway, you go up a ladder. Then you have to fight a mini boss fight against one of those white flying guys, which I have died on a couple of times. And again, if you die, dude, at this point, you've gone through like a half a dozen levels of the Technodrome. You've been in the Technodrome for fucking 20 minutes. And if you die on that last mini boss fight against one of those white flying laser shooting ghost guys, it's all the way back to the very fucking beginning of the technodrome again and i've never i have died on him and if i die on that last mini boss fight i rage quit i am not going i'm done that's it i'm fucking i lose my mind i'm done but if you beat that last boss fight then all that's left is to fight shredder and shredder will fuck you up but there's like a foolproof way to beat him if you're donatello when you go into the room he comes out of the top of the screen lands on a platform then jumps down to where you are all you have to do is jump up onto his platform and then every time he tries to jump up there you just hit him and he just keeps getting knocked down trying to jump back up knocked down trying to jump back up and i think it works with all the turtles but i find it most satisfying to do with donatello because he's the best turtle and he's the one that killed shredder in the original cartoon so or the original comic book so it just makes sense uh and that's all you do is you just hit shredder a few times and it's over i know i kind of breeze through the technodrome but like there's really not a lot to say about it it's just super tough there's a lot of cheap enemies it's frustrating and uh if you die in there fuck me man because you're going all the way back to start so uh it if there was so and that's the third place that's bullshit i think the technodrome is obnoxious and i don't enjoy it so those are my three the three times where something will go wrong for me on a run the spike walls um looking for the technodrome or in the technodrome and 90 percent of the time 
it's in the Technodrome. I can get there. It's that final hallway stretch towards Shredder where things go wrong for me. So um, I would recommend if you're learning how to play it, you can get it on the Cowabunga Collection. There are save states. Just don't be ashamed, especially when you're learning to beat a tough NES game. The thing about it is like when we were kids, these NES games were designed to kill you over and over because the games are only like an hour long, a lot of them. And so if they weren't hard and you could beat them super quick, then everyone would just be complaining that they felt like they got ripped off because they beat the game too fast. And so I understand why there's these insane difficulty spikes in some of these games because they're just trying to to pad the, the length of it, uh, if that makes sense. So I... I and so that's what you do as a kid is like if, if you died on the very last level of a game as a kid on the Technodrome or in Batman against the Joker or, you know, whatever, uh, then it was all the way back to square one. And you're like, well, I'm a dumb kid. I have nothing else to do. I'll play through this whole fucking game again and try to get good. And I'll try to get good. And I'll try to get good. As an adult, we ain't got time for that shit. So that's my piece of advice, not only with this game, but with any tough NES game. Um, first of all, use save states if you want. Who fucking cares? Second of all, I, this is my big tip is like, I've gotten good enough to beat a few NES games that I found really tough as a kid now over the last couple of years. And save states are a great way to practice instead of having to play through 30, 40, 50 minutes of a game to get back to a portion that's been killing you over and over again, put a save state there. And then when you die, load your save state, try again, get up, try again, get up, try again, get up, try again. And then once you're good enough at it, then you go back to the beginning, play through the game and you've gotten your reps in. And now you're not, it's just saving you those 20, 30 minute runs to get back to the part that kept killing you. Do you know what I mean? I, so I, I created one save state at the spike uh, pit to, to master the timing of falling through those spikes. Um, and then I created a save state during the Technodrome to learn how to fight my way uh, through the Technodrome. And that was the two times I used save states. And I'm telling you, like, I know so many people got stuck on those the, the seaweed level and stuff as kids. I understand. But I'm telling you, this game is certainly, certainly beatable. If you just put in your time, you put in your reps, you practice. Get good. I'm telling you, it's, it's I'm not, I have a, a hair on my tongue. It's driving me crazy. I'm not saying, um, <laughs> that's going to be a great ending to this podcast. I have a hair on my tongue. Uh, I'm not saying this game is easy and I'm not mocking people and being like, get good, you loser. I'm saying it's possible to get good. You just gotta, it's not like, dude, there's some games on the NES. I'm looking at you, Blaster Master. I like that game, but the last third of that game is fucking obnoxious. Star Tropics, the outer, the spaceship is fucking obnoxious. Nothing in this game is obnoxious, as obnoxious as those two parts in those two games. You just have to put in your reps, work hard at it, practice. Nothing is, you'll, it's beatable. That's, I hope that, I hope. I hope this episode doesn't suck. I really wanted to just kind of defend this game and explain why I think it's so brilliant and trying to manage the the four health bars. I think that strategy system alone, like I wish that was a thing in even some of the turtle beat em ups that like if you were getting your ass kicked, you could pause and swap to another turtle and manage their health bars. Uh, I just think that's such a fucking great mechanic. And uh, I hope we see more of that in future turtle games. This game is better than people give it credit for and it deserves a remake. I love this goddamn game. I love this goddamn game. Like I said, there is a walkthrough of it on YouTube that I've done where I show you how to go from beginning to end. Uh, I'll put a, a link to that in the description of this podcast or you can find it at youtube.com slash remember the game if you want to check it out. As far as the score for this game, there's eight slices of pizza in a normal, I think, in a normal pizza. I've always assumed eight is normal. So I'm going to score it out of eight. I understand that this is going to get some like, Adam, you're a fanboy. I am a fanboy. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to give this game a... Oh, I'm torn between a six and a seven. 
I'm going to go six because seven is like seven out of eight. I'm saying like it's basically a perfect score, but I'm trying the Mario tax and it's not a perfect score. It's a little cryptic at times. The controls kind of suck at times. It can be frustrating. I wish there wasn't as many made up stupid enemies and more classic turtle enemies. Like I wish we had rock soldiers and stuff in it, but I'm going to give it a six out of eight. I think it's a very, I think it's, it's one of my favorite NES games. It's one of my favorite turtle games and I think it's good. And if you haven't played it since you were a kid, uh, give it another shot. It's on the Calbunga collection. Um, it's it's in my opinion it's better than you remember plus you can turn the slowdown off on the cowbugga collection which i highly recommend doing changes the game ah ah changes the game makes it so much better i love this stupid goddamn game so anyway that's it all right so what i'm gonna do now is i'm gonna queue up some more ninja turtles music and then when it stops i'll do the outro shout out some patrons and get out of here uh thanks for listening everybody that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, me, thank you so much for uh, sitting down and talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. More importantly, seriously, thank you to all of you for indulging me and letting me just gush and suck four turtle dicks and a rat dick and all the other dick while I talk about this game because I fucking love it so goddamn much. Seriously, if you do want to, it's about an hour long. If you do want to see how the whole game plays out, maybe get a couple of tips, maybe take a run at it yourself, uh, youtube.com slash remember the game. I will put a link to my walkthrough in the description of this podcast. I recommend checking that out. And um, I think that's about it. What else do I do in here now? Oh yeah, I plug stuff. Uh, I have Patreon. You all know. I talk about it every week. Patreon.com slash Remember the Game. It's about the best value in the history of the world. For two bucks a month, you get two additional podcasts every week. For five bucks a month, you get, well, you you get three a week right now. And beginning in March, every second week, you're going to get four additional podcasts. Because I'm launching a Simpsons show as well. I just released a free episode of Expansion Pass here on the Remember the Game feed. So it should be the episode right behind this one. So if you want to check that out. Uh, I named my game of the year for every year from 1985 to 2020. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and I will be back tomorrow for all my patrons with Expansion Pass 149. Which will be my spoiler free review of Crisis Core Final Fantasy 7 Reunion. We'll be back on Friday for Game Patch. Talking about the Nintendo Direct and all the other news in the world of gaming uh, that's going around right now and I'll be back uh, a week from today with Remember the Game 236 which is going to be about is it going to be? Yes. It's going to be about Doom 3, which is going to be fun. I'm quite looking forward to that game. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, so yeah, patreon.com slash remember the game. If you want to support me, I have a PO box. You can find the address at remember the game podcast.com. Just shoot me a letter or a postcard. Nothing big. Just send me something little. Tell me hi, where are you listening? I'll send you one back. Make sure you include your address so I can send you one back and we'll be friends. And I'm on Twitch, twitch.tv slash member the game, just whenever I feel like getting on there. Uh, so you can come by and see my dumb face whenever you feel like it. All right. I'm going to thank some Patreons and get the fuck out of here. I feel like playing Ninja Turtles right now. So I know the effect this show has on some of you where you're like, man, you make me want to play games. I want to play Ninja Turtles. I don't think I'm going to because I got too many other games I'm working on, but I really want to play some Ninja Turtles. So I'm going to thank some Patreons and get out of here. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I'll talk to you again on the next one. Cheers. Goodbye. Big Apple, 3 a.m. Remember the Game is brought to you by our Patreons. I could not puke up all the content I turn out every week without all of your support. The following people are at the Senior Executive Vice President level or higher at patreon.com slash remember the name. And as such, I'd like to take a moment to thank them all as quickly as possible. A huge thank you to... 
Let's go backwards this week. We'll start at the top. Devilish Saint, Brian Richmond, Sabin, Robier, Robert Joubert, Jay Callahan, Adam Blank still hasn't reviewed Banjo Tui, Shoeboxers, Agent Booty Pants, A Trio, Wormwood, Raging Irish, That One Kid, Josh, Mark Sneed, E Man, Trucker, J Vision 719, Deal Pickle, Rick, Tyler Bauer, It's OG, Ryan Kalt, Calton, Brandon Helmheckel, Hired Goons, Who, B Money, Ryan Maurice, Robbie B DLC, Benjamin Atkins, Tristan Anderson, Faded Sufferance, Alexis Ramos, S S Ramos, Dude, it's so much harder doing it in the reverse order. Jesus Christ. Sour Goatface, Max Sandin, Frosty Bear, Lord Longron, Von Hugendong, the second Digital Dave Shorzy, The Stone Shooter, Roldy in the Deep, Kevin Monroe, Tonebone Swiss, Dr. Nightmare 23, Nafe, Adam Martinet, Hatrick Swayze, Nick Creature, West Gen Postman, Denton Van Zandt, Darth Skywalter, Solomon Soto, Mr. Papa Giorgio, Itchy Nutsero, Lucas Valadez, Graham, It's the Bigfoot, Alex R, Ryan Perry, Alexander Camps, Dakota Guy, Derek Cox, Works For Me, Knife Goes In, Guts Come Out, Kia Pop, Brandon DeZeba, Bobby Litton, Chris Lovin, Skiller Rooney, Zamatos, Cam Nelly 23, Quiet Place Queen, Burt McLean, Burt Macklin, pardon me, Trevor McKee, Mark but not McHugh, Bulma Simp, Arctic Vision, Hitchy Poof, Beep Beep, Fuck. <laughs> Beef Dingleberry, Timothy Sabrinsky, John M. Watkins, Bud Lightyear, Musty Beetle, Maverick Marty, Christian Gabriel, Brian Neese, Timmy the Exuberant Turtle, Isaiah, Squeak Nuts, Joey Mercury, Sleeper Hit, Colin Bollinger, Adam Fletcher, Nerdy Hybrid, Sam Carpenter, Drones of Bad, okay, James Black, Daniel DeVore, Nomad, Matt Hamilton, John of the Adult Children Podcast, James Juan Francesco, current Remember the Game Hall of Famer Mark McHugh, Dem Boys on the Roof, General Fury, Cody Richardson, Oroku Saki's Gardener, Chris Williams, Joe Stone, Jimothy, K.A. Esteban Navarro. Hey. There's a lot of you. High Plains Drifter, Hega Waffle, Antonio Echeverria, Edridge FPV, Bucky the Beagle Herder, Scary Terry, Blaine the Hoagie Man, Wyatt the Surgeon Who's Not a Surgeon Row, John Jameson, a dude named Adam Decoy Man, Fuzzy99, Dan Fuselman, Gabe Brandt Hewitt, Stud Still Smash, DB Cooper, Son Ramos, Evolva, Leroy Westrich, Munch Makuchi, Ian Kag, Thomas Smith, C Spin, Beaver Boy, Laces Out Dan, Biddy. Jake Carter, Eric James, Ruben Elizald, Phil Lencher, Jacob Adams, Mark David Marcus, Mizuru, Phil McCracken, Steve Dalk, Jameer Williams, DBXJ, Zach Coiner, Ray San Juan Tonga, Stephen Parnell, Elijah Burns, Chugger22, Triple, Frosty Feet 492, Chris Dickens, Zach Shepard, Holmes, Denzalo, Super Dad Bros Podcast, DP Pooper, Just a Fish, Randy Barrage, John Woodruff, Tunable Power, Daniel, OT Plays Games, Captain N, Jet Bergeron, Russell Aldridge, Zonko504, Titan420, Squints, Joel LeBlanc, Johnny CCDC, Wolf. This sucks. I'm so bad at this. Wolf Magic 21, Doogie, Andy Hudson, Sam Wright, Wolfgang Darren, Mercury 869, G9PSX, Mike Maloney, Ryan Kinchin, Zane Donovan, Morgan A Town, Nathan Tremblay, Aaron Lawson, Scott Brooks, No One Cares, Dave Thompson, Angry Text, Frazier Birds, Jordan, Andrew Wright, Chris Fleury, Doug Dorn, Slick Rick, DNA Gaming, Dave McGee, James Clark, I'm a Stupid Moron with an Ugly Face and a Big Butt, and my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt. Andre, Sharonic, Joe Buck. And makeshift mallow magic money. Thank you so much, everybody. That is so fucking hard to do them backwards. Jesus Christ. Purple monkey dishwasher.